thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So we're going to start with, we've got Alex Hoffman, who's going to share, then Zion's going to do a little interview, and then Steve's going to finish by sharing Stephen Pacey. So, yeah, guys, the microphone is over there, Alex, I think. It's over to you, the handheld one, please. But, guys, give him a, give him a round of applause for stepping One, two. I've told Jake that he's got to blow my face after just to make his job difficult. Um, it feels very strange being at the front. I'm usually at the back. Uh, so for some, peop- some people, do I stand back? Some people who already know me, uh, I've sort of grew growing up in Springmount. Uh, and for those who don't. M- don't know me. My name's Alex, uh, as Johnny said. So I wanted to kind of share with you where I've been. Um, like I said, some people have known me for a lot of years. Uh, I went to church when I was a kid, uh, growing up in the youth. That's why I know so many people here. But growing up in the church, I think um, when I got to sort of 16, around there, I started to have doubts, although I'd already given my life to the Lord, I started to think, well, is that because I was, I went to the church with my mum and dad, and my mum and dad are Christians, is that the only reason that I uh, believed in in the Lord? So I think during that time, I was kind of going to school, I was uh, bullied quite bad in school, Uh, you know, kids are quite mean, and uh, I had a lot of difficulties as a teenager, so a friend well, friend, someone introduced me to smoking weed. And I thought, at the time, when I was young, it, it, it seemed that it took the stress off things. You know, I would uh, kind of roll a spliff at night and, and get stoned and, uh, you know, just forget about everything that had happened that day. And it, it became more a crutch and it became a problem in my life. Um, and, and this is when the distance started between me and going to church I got finished school, went to college, and it was still the same thing. I was still kind of smoking weed and just hanging out with the wrong people, you know, people that were a bad influence on my life. Eventually, I, I'm trying to summarize a big story here because there's a lot happened. Uh, eventually, I went to university. Uh, I was quite talented with music, uh, with sound, and uh, with sort of technology. I was quite gifted in that area, so I got a I got on a course, a music course at Preston. So I thought, that's brilliant, I'm out of Barrow. Because at the time, I think when you grow up in Barrow, you seem, when you're young anyway, you seem to think that it's rubbish, uh, you know, and that everything's greener on the other side. Uh, I've gone a full circle and now I think it's brilliant and I love it. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, so I went to, went to UCLan and again, you know, I got in with the wrong crowd because I, I felt inside that I didn't, I'd suffered with self-esteem, you know, quite from being young, that's what 
bullying and all these uh, things do to you. They really make you suffer with your self-esteem. And that release for me was in drugs. And when I went to university, the drugs became harder drugs. You know, I said to myself, I'll never take uh, ecstasy, I'll never take cocaine, I will never do anything like that. But the devil has a way of making things seem that uh, a bit further, you know, you can take it further. So I started at university taking uh, ecstasy, which is pretty, you know, it was quite prevalent in university. And my life just went down and down, even further. You know, the devil always takes things and, you know, it's an illusion. You think that it's brilliant, but it just takes you down and down. Uh, so I had to leave university. My mental health was really bad. Um, I was in a very dark place mentally, uh, you know, self-harming and, and, and just not taking care of myself. So I left university, came home to Barrow. Um, and again, because of this, it, it, me, mine and my parents' relationship was really strained. Um, you know, my mum and dad were just trying to do everything they could to get me on this straight path, you know, and trying to introduce anything to, to do that, taking me to different Christian uh, rehab groups, which I would go to and say all the right things, but deep down, this pain that I felt wasn't fixed. So I became homeless in Barrow, and uh, I met someone at this time because I was researching answers, because I think I always wanted that spiritual connection with God but I just didn't know how to get there, you know, I, even though I'd grown up in the church. So I was researching uh, just different things, you know, Hinduism and Buddhism and, you know, really just a young person trying to find the answer for this pain, this question. I got introduced uh, by chance to a doctor who was a Muslim. And this was the first time really that I'd heard anything uh, about Islam. So. I think at the time I just went along because it was, it was friends, it was people I talked to, you know. And I, at the time as well, I think I thought, if, if you give me more rules, that might help me to stay on the straight and narrow. So Islam, to me, introduced me to this routine, you know, this um, way of life that I thought at the time was, was brilliant, you know, washing and eating and dressing and not talking to this person and doing all this, all these rituals, you know, self-righteousness. That's really what it is deep down. It's self-righteousness. So I had met this uh, Muslim girl and she said, well, if you don't like Barrow so much, why don't you just move in, you know, move in with, with me? So I left to Peterborough. Uh, in Peterborough, again, I was hanging out with... Um, Muslims, but I still hadn't dealt with my drug addiction, so I was still a, a drug addict. But this time I had changed, and I was, instead of using uh, needles and, and hard street drugs, I was abusing prescription drugs. So I would uh, forge prescriptions to get prescription uh, medication and abuse that. Again, just not dealt with this pain that I was feeling. Uh, that got me into trouble in Peterborough, and I then, the police actually arrested me. I got in trouble for it, and they didn't have anywhere because if you're homeless, they can't release you to nowhere. So I was released to a bail address in Leicester, where again I got in with the wrong people, and it's just the same sort of repetitive cycle. Uh, when I, I was searching for sort of someone at the time, I think to. Uh, 
take this misery away. So I ended up, I met Nina. I'm trying to summarize it again, 10 minutes. I met Nina and uh, we had a connection straight away. It was, she was a Muslim at the time, but I took my studies of Islam to the next level. So I was reading everything. And I mean everything. I was learning Arabic. I was trying to read all the sources. And it ended up, it disproved 90% of everything that I was told when I first entered. So I was thought, well, that can't be the answer. You know, that's obviously not it. I then would give that information to Nina, say, look, you know, read this about, because um, she was born into an Islamic family read this about Muhammad, read that, or read this. So both of us had come to this sort of conclusion um, that Islam was uh, kind of wrong, and I had wanted to go back to church just to try it. When I went to, I took Nina to church for the first time in Birmingham, and that was a massive step for her, growing up in an Islamic family, and it was completely different because Church is a family. You are all part of the same body, and unless you've experienced it, it's very difficult to describe to people what church actually is. She latched onto that, and that was to her this revelation of what Christ had done. So she had gone on this journey, which actually forced me to go on the journey as well. Um, I started to get sort of clean and sober, I then had given my life to the Lord properly again and just said everything that had happened, you know, I was at points I was homeless, I lived in tents and in 2018 it was one of the coldest winters we ever had and I nearly froze to death outside, it was awful and it was this crying out to God saying, look, I have tried everything my way, I've tried it and it's led me to the wrong people, the wrong places, dangerous places. I was just fed up. I turned to the Lord and said, you know, I'm, I'm yours, do what you want. It's, it's, it's you now. I'd made that commitment. Nina had made the commitment to the Lord as well. Um, and we found out Nina had some troubles with her family over it because obviously she uh, changed her faith in we found out that Nina was pregnant with my son Jacob, and this was sort of the, the, th the last thing for me to, to fix my life, because I didn't want to be a father who was a drug addict, an alcoholic, who was homeless, was all these things, and it, it really helped to secure that, um, getting clean and changing my life, and it was God washing out all these sort of old emotions, old feelings, old pain, and putting in something new, you know, saying you are worthy, you know, you, you are, um, I am who you say I am. It, it's, it, it just became truth. And the change from the person who was before, for people who have known me, and then the people who don't, to now, it's like a 180, it's completely different. And God started to reveal things in my life that I never even would have thought of. I just wanted to be clean, but then God said, well, actually, I'm gonna make it better than that. You know, and I wanted this, and he would make it better than that. And it was just complete change in my life. Um, for me and Nina, we moved back to Barrow because I wanted to be close to my family, and that just helped even further. Uh, you know, me and Tim became closer, and my mum and dad and everyone. 
uh, and God has continued to do that work and will continue to do the work in my life. Uh, so I don't want to go on for too long, but yeah, thank you uh, very much. And this young man is still learning, okay? He's still growing. He's not got it all right, have you? No, not yet. No. And, and actually, I'm, I'm still in my 40s and I've still not got it all right, you know? But actually, how exciting is it that God comes to seek and save the lost? And that God says, you are my son. You are my daughter. And actually, here is a, a, an answer to prayer. Because I know, and a lot of people know, I know, you know, it wasn't easy for your family, was it? No, you know, it wasn't Tim, was it? No. But how amazing, there's my crying voice, how amazing that this young man can stand here today and say, the difference is God. The difference is God. Come in, come in. As, as Jimmy Cricket used to say, there's more. I want to pray for Alex. Okay, let's pray for Alex. Okay, Father God, I thank you for this young man and I thank you for the journey that he is on. And I pray, Lord, that no matter what the peaks and the troughs, the detours, I pray, Lord, that he will know that you are constantly by his side. I pray that you will know, he will know that you are not just with him, but in him. And Father, I thank you for the way that his his wife has brought him on that journey too. So Father, I pray for them as a family, I pray for them as a couple, I pray for the two children, and I pray, Lord, for your spirit just to flood their lives and their house. Father, I pray, Lord, that you, this story of transformation and change will impact us to know that actually we need to stop being stubborn and be changed, be transformed by the renewing of our minds and our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray for Alex. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Alex. Give him a applause. Okay. Zion. We're going to do a little interview with Zion. I've only got one stool, so I'll have to stand up. Is that about right? It's your husband's stool, so that's okay. Okay. Please, your microphone. Thank you, Joe. Okay. So I've got some questions. Zion's going to share. So first of all, Zayan, let me find it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you've come from to get to where you are now. Well, I'm a bit nervous now. <laughs> I was fine before. Um, but anyway, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Zayan. Um, I'm one of the Hoffins. Um, and I'm a member of this church family. Woo! <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Get excited. Um, so I came to Barrow about nine years ago. Um, yeah, after meeting Tim. Tim can tell you the story about that. I'm not going to. That's <laughs> um, another Sunday. <laughs> yeah, another day. <laughs> um, but yeah, growing up, um, we seem to be all over the place. Um, so actually, living in my house now, I've lived there for nine years. I've never lived in a house for so long. <laughs> um, and maybe that's why I don't want to move out, even though we're bursting at the seams. Um, but yeah, um, having lived somewhere else, like Alex has said, you know, um, I know how special Barrow is. Um, when I first came to Barrow, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends. I literally had Tim and Bella, nobody else. Um, and it was really hard. Um, Bella was just about to start school in the September. So we moved in the April and I didn't really want to start work. I just had that last summer off with her before she started school. 
um, and I spent a lot of time going down to all of the toddler groups. Um, Christy signposted me to Springmount Toddler Group um, and I've been going there for years and it's my favourite one. Um, yeah, so coming to Barrow to me is like really special and I certainly wouldn't look back. Um, and of course, Walney's gorgeous, so <laughs> Very good. I won't live anywhere else now. <laughs> okay, so at what point did you become aware of God and the need to have Jesus as part of your life? Um, so growing up, we didn't go to church, we didn't know anything about God as a family, um, but I always used to talk about God, funnily enough. At Christmas, we used to joke that it's Jesus' birthday, did you know that? <laughs> and I used to say to everybody, you know, don't, let's not all just talk about these presents, let's not forget that it's Jesus' birthday. <laughs> and I don't know where that ever came from, but I said it every year to my brothers and sisters, um, and they just laughed every year. Um, but then, of course, when I came to Barrow, um, I was quite intrigued by God because Chrissy and Jeff, Christians, um, me and Tim had had conversations about God. Um, and then I started to go to um, the Sunday school and help Liz out at the Emmanuel. So, of course, because I've worked with children, it was quite nice for me to go and work alongside somebody that was looking after children and just get to know um, some people in that same field, if you like. Um, so Chrissy and Jeff would take Bella and I would go along and help at Sunday school. Um, but at that time, not long after we'd got married, um, Tim and I were trying for a baby and it just seemed to take forever. Um, and it was really, really hard. Um, and just one day, just I don't know why I didn't go upstairs to help Liz that day, <laughs> um, but I stayed downstairs and I just remember praying. I'd have never done that before. Um, and not only did he bless me with one baby, but then straight after, had another. <laughs> Can I just say, praying won't make you pregnant, okay? <laughs> just anybody that's concerned. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, I was specifically praying for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Because I was going to tell Ross to stop. That was yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we were blessed with... Um, Hattie and then Theodore and then of course we had Bella at home who was then a preteen um, and that's when things started to get really difficult um, so I think that's going to go on to your next question. Okay so the next question Zaya is uh, the other thing to just point out is that the accent isn't Barovian it's Bolton. Okay. <laughs> Boltonian. Boltonian. So I grew up in that neck of the woods so occasionally <laughs> I slip into it but I'll try not to. But uh, what obstacles have you been able to overcome in the last few years and what has helped you to do that? So as I say, having two little ones and a preteen was really difficult. Um, I was breastfeeding and I was determined to breastfeed for as long as I could, so that was really difficult. That's a challenge in itself for anybody that's breastfed. <laughs> I'm sure you'll know that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it really did start to get hard. Um, you know, that it, you know, if I'm honest, it really did put a strain on our marriage. We were still quite young. We'd gone from having just Bella at home, who went to her dad's every other weekend, so we had our own time together, to now having two little ones, very demanding, one of them breastfeeding constantly, and then a preteen. Um, so yes, it started to get really difficult. Um, some past traumas in my own life started to resurface, um, and in the house, I was absolutely obsessed. I was cleaning all the time. Um, that was definitely like my coping mechanism. And 
you know, if you've ever lived with anybody or you know anyone with OCD, it's a, it's a challenge. So, of course, that was hard for Tim as well. Um, but um, I started to struggle. Um, I started to have really bad panic attacks. Um, I think I'm going to get a bit emotional That's fine. now. It's okay. You can get, it's okay to get emotional. So it's good. Um, and I'm upset because it was actually Bella that helped me first. And as a mum, you'll know that you know, it's hard for your children and it's hard for you then to know that your child helped you. Um, and she was only 11. <laughs> um, and I just I was having quite a bad panic attack and she took Theodore and put him in his cot and she took Bella uh, Hattie and put her somewhere safe and she just said, what shall I do? <laughs> um, and I was at home on my own. Tim was at his mum's and she rang Roz and Roz came um, and I'm really grateful for that, thank you. <laughs> um, but actually, everybody in the church really helped me at that time. Um, people prayed for us, they prayed for our marriage, they prayed for our children, and they prayed for me and my mental health. Um, <laughs> I'll just have a minute. That's all right. <laughs> but I think, again, you know, church is family. Alex said it. Yeah. You know, who got around? It was the church, not the building the people and what did they do they prayed prayer works you know we as a church believe it's so important and actually twice in this story we've heard you know sometimes there's a wait isn't there mm -hmm. Some, we're still praying aren't we yeah yeah, yeah? <laughs> the obstacles haven't all gone no. but we're still praying we're still praying okay so do you want me to ask the next question or get off um i'm just trying to think because i'm just going to try and bring it into my work so i just want you to remember how guilty I felt as a mum, because that's really important, because it is normal to feel that way, um, but it is a strong emotion. So I just want you to remember that before we go on to um, talk about my work. And I do just want to say, actually, that my past traumas and actually sharing them with Tim made us stronger than we've ever been before. Um, so as hard as it was, we had to go down that path to get to where we are now. Okay, so what Bible verses have helped you recently and why? Also, what worship songs do you regularly proclaim as a prayer for your life? So, um, Goodness of God is definitely a song that um, I always relate to because when I listen to the words, I know that God was always there. He was just waiting for me to say, welcome into my life, you know, help me because I can't do it. And the minute I did, I realised that. I realised that it was always there. Um, that's something you have to keep realising, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Bible verses. Um, so I'm going to talk about a Bible verse that was read out at our wedding, actually. Um, so 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Um, but then particularly um, at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it says, um, and now these three remain, faith, hope and love. So when I was talking to Johnny about some of the work that I've been doing, that really stood out to me because actually I had faith and I, and I had hope, but I was covered in love. Um, and that's not just from everybody in the church, that's, that's from God. Yeah, um, and I mean, I just want to say that when I was in that place, I was in a really dark place. I was, I was, I was suicidal and I, I said to Tim, don't take Theodore out of my arms 
because if you do, I don't know what I'll do. Um, and that was really hard. And actually, some of you might know that I've been affected by suicide recently. Um, and the difference is, the difference is that I actually turned to God. And maybe if my mum had, it might be a different story now. But anyway, we won't go any further no. <laughs> into that one. That's too raw. <laughs> so if we could pray one thing for you today as a church, and we could go home, it doesn't have to just happen here. If we could pray one thing for you as a church, what would it be? Um, I think I'd just like to ask you to pray for women that have suffered postnatally. Um, so obviously when Ros was helping me, Ros did speak to my health visitor. Um, Ros obviously works within the community and knows um, the different ladies and what services are available, but actually there wasn't a specific service available to women that are suffering uh, postnatally. So some of the work that I've been doing at Family Action as a perinatal coordinator is just that. Um, we've been looking at um, a project to support low-level um, mental health needs, anxiety, um, but actually we need help and we need volunteers, so that's why Johnny asked me to speak today, because I've been there and I know how hard it is, but I now know how important it is to help those women. Um, we can't do it on our own, so I have brought some information um, and some posters, so you can speak to me about that later, but I would particularly like to pray for the women that have struggled and for their husbands, because it's really hard on them as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's Thank you. so if you would like, yeah, if you want to know more about what was Zion's involved in and you've got some time to be able to volunteer, it was the church that helped Zion. What a, what a testimony that is when actually it's the church that steps up. We've got loads of opportunities, but here's one. Maybe it's one for somebody who currently isn't doing anything that they can't stop. Maybe it's something you can help with. So let's pray for Zion. I'm going to ask Tim, come here. Is that right? I'm going to pray for both of you. He didn't know this. Oh, He's going to kill me like now. That, no. I can see the... Uh, <laughs> I think we should pray for both of them. And obviously Hattie and Theodore upstairs and Bella as well. So, look at... Oh, isn't that nice? Okay, so let's pray. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, actually. I can't COVID. Um, Ros, will you pray for them? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, really. Then it's just not me. Come on. <laughs> it's okay to be emotional. I'm always emotional with these two. Yeah, God, I just thank you for, for Tim and Zion. I thank you for how far you've brought them as a couple. Yeah, I know. And I thank you that you were there when it was really hard and you're still there when it's really hard. Yeah. And God, I just pray that you will just continue to work in their lives to draw them closer to you and close together. God, I thank you for the family that you have blessed them with, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. God, I thank you that you have blessed them with them. Yeah, and Father God, I just pray for this um, work that Zion has taken on. We thank you that that is so from you. Father God, that you, you knew what she needed to go through to be able to meet others at their time of need. And Father, that this is happening right here in Barrow. So we just really pray for Zion. We pray for the right team around her as she, as she does this work. But we also pray for the women that are going to be affected by the work that Zion does. And that, yeah, that you are so in this work. 
that you just want to draw people to you. And we just thank you that, yeah, that you have placed this on Zion's heart and that actually it's, it's placed on the heart of the people that she works with as well. Um, but God, yeah, I just pray that you'll just continue to bless them as they continue to grow and look to you in all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Amen. Give a round of applause. Sorry to... <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Okay, it's important to know with all these things, the story doesn't stop today. You know, there will still be difficulties. There will still be, you know, and their stories, you might sit there thinking, well, my story is only fairly simple. Um, it doesn't matter. God transforms and uses all of us if we allow him to. And, uh, yeah, so the last victim, don't worry, Laura, I won't get you up to pray because I know you'll kill me, so it's okay. You, I will, I will, I can, Tim, I can cope with. I'm a bit scared of Laura. Steve, would you like to come up? Laura's lovely, by the way. Don't be scared of her. I'm just scared of her, that's all. Okay. There you go, my friend. Cheers. Over to you. Hi, everyone. So, um, yeah, Johnny's asked me to speak because a lot of you guys will recognise me. I've been here before uh, when we were all less grey and fat. Um, <laughs> so... There's a few things that have happened in my life really recently, one of which is I've come back to faith in a, in a huge way, really. Um, and it was a series of minor miracles. In my household, they get called God incidences because we believe there's no such thing as a coincidence. It's just God doing the incidents for you. So what I want to talk about is a series of God incidences that have led me to stand in here, really. Um, and it reflects pretty much on two weeks of uh, the talks that Johnny's just finished, the names of God. So we're looking at El Shaddai, God Almighty, and Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. So, um, yeah, a bit about me. So I'm Steve, um, I've got Laura, <laughs> and I've got Aoife upstairs in the creche, and that's my little family at the minute. So I was here, um, had 10 years off from church, a um, little over 10 years really, uh, definitely not living out my faith, um, not really interested. Um, and yeah, the first real God incident that came into my life, um, I came back to Barrow. A series of incidents had kind of forged an opportunity for me to be in Barrow alone, away from Laura and away from our daughter. wasn't even a thing at that point. She was uh, eight months pregnant. Um, but Laura was in uh, Ireland watching a concert and... Um, I came to Barrow and somebody told me the pavilion was opening. Um, I have massive affinity with Johnny Ross still. Um, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll go. There's something to do. Three of my friends had turned down a night out drinking. So, fair enough. Got nothing else to do. I'll come. <laughs> While I was here, a really good friend grabbed hold of me and said, why don't, you, why don't you just come tomorrow morning? It'd be great to see you. There's loads of other people who can't make it tonight who'll be there. Good opportunity to see them. So I did, I came, and I had probably the most powerful spirit encounter I've had ever. Um, it was mind-blowing. During that, that moment where the Holy Spirit was getting hold of me, um, they told me to get into a church and raise my daughter right with faith. Learn the Bible, not read the Bible, learn the Bible, because I'll be used to teach it. So I started reading the Bible, and I completed cover to cover in seven months. Uh, and I was told 
I would need to be moved back to Barrow to live at some point soon. That's a scary prospect. Johnny's hinted at it, Laura's a bit fierce. And she was staunchly against moving to Barrow. Not because there's anything wrong with Barrow, much. Uh, she's from Northern Ireland and we met in Manchester and Preston and there's a lot going on in Manchester and Preston. Not a lot going on in Barrow. Uh, and that was what I was battling. And I had lots of fears and lots of worries. So I asked God, what on earth am I going to do? It's you pushing me against an immovable object. How does that work? And he pointed me to the Bible and he said, Matthew 7, Matthew 7, ask and it shall be given. So I said, okay, okay. So I asked and I said to Laura, we need to find a church. And she said, okay. She's never stepped foot in a church and she's never encountered God. And she finds us all weird, by the way. Um, so we found a good, solid church in Preston, Valley Church. We joined it, spent 18 months there, and had a fabulous time. We found a connect group, uh, both shared lots of things and got involved in lots of different activities and helped, um, served in lots of different areas. It was fantastic. Uh, the best part about our journey at Valley, uh, Laura managed to find her own faith, and she's on her own journey. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In May 2020, this, this series of um, God incidences really started to take, take shape. So in May 2020, Mike, who many of you know, uh, my foster dad, became ill with, at the time, an unknown illness. Um, he was madly passionate about his family. Um, and in July, he missed Aoife, uh, first birthday. And that was kind of when we knew, actually, this is, this is pretty serious. Uh, he would never miss any encounter with any of his family. Um, Laura and I used to come through. Obviously, this was during lockdown for COVID rules and not allowed to travel anywhere. Uh, we did. Uh, we used to come through every weekend, most weekends, uh, due to Mike physically not being able to travel at all. Um, in October, we were given a diagnosis of terminal cancer. So... The main God incidences that happened during this period really transformed not only my life, but Laura's uh, and lots of other people who, who knew Mike. So the first real one was Mike's testimony, his attitude. It was breathtaking, breathtaking. He's a real passionate man of God. Um, he saw his diagnosis as his next call in his next mission. And he trusted God to use him to reach others. And that's how he spoke about what he was going through. Um, Mike said God had given him a passage for this period, Philippians 4, 4 to 9. So after Mike told us this was his passage, it, it just appeared everywhere. It was in the Word for You Today. It was in the Version Bible app that we all have. It was the passage that we must read. I listened to Premier Radio in the car. It was on there as the word for the week. Um, it was a passage that got read out on um, the Hillsong channel that I was watching. It just appeared everywhere. Um, it, was, it was really powerful. God was over this. Um, Mike chose to be at home, not in a hospice or a hospital. Um, and that was really special because it was during COVID times. And if he'd have gone into a hospice or a hospital, none of us would have got any time with him, not even Sue would have got any time, his wife. Um, 
So even in his darkest moment, Mike was giving himself to others, which is what a Christian does. Um, his testimony is really good. <laughs> so um, we all made the journey home. Uh, all of Mike's family, his brothers, sisters, all got some time with Mike in the last two weeks um, at home. Kelly, my little sister, his favorite, not that I say that out loud, um, was stuck in Bath and had no way of getting back. Um, one of our Christian friends spoke to the family and said uh, they need to give some money to us. Um, usually it would be a donation somewhere or it would be used somewhere else. Um, but they felt they had an encounter where they were told, no, hold on to it. Um, and they weren't sure why. And they stepped forward and said, this is why. God wants you to have this. Um, another God incident. So we did a capacity assessment. I'm a mental health manager, so I'm going to go a little technical. Um, a doctor came to assess Mike at home while he was dying. Um, basically said, Mike, do you want to continue with your morphine? Mike said, no, thank you. And he said that three times. That's really important for a capacity assessment. That means his word is accurate. He can retain information, he can pass it back. That's what a capacity assessment is. So he did that with me and the doctor. And then shortly afterwards, a district nurse came to the house um, and she wanted to give Mike more morphine. Now, the reason Mike had said no to the morphine was so that he could be aware of what's going on. Morphine takes you off. It's an opiate. It's a drug. Um, so it takes you off somewhere else mentally. He didn't want that. He wanted to be lucid and know who's around and be part of that. So the district nurse was pushing and said, he spoke to me several weeks ago, this is what he wants. Um, she had to go back to the office to get the medication and she never came back. And we believe that's a God incident. God pushed her out of the way, thankfully. Uh, what it meant was Mike died at home with his family all around his bed, praying over him, reading his passage. It's the death of a millionaire. <laughs> That's what we all hope for. So we called the undertaker to come and collect Mike, and Russell Dodd turned up. <laughs> I didn't know Russell did this. <laughs> that was news to me. I knew he was a landscape gardener, not an undertaker. And that was another sign, I've got you. I've got you. So after Mike died, we had to ring the Citizens Advice Bureau to cancel the benefits he was receiving as a cancer carer. And one of Mike and Sue's connect group took the phone call. I said, I got this. Any detail you need, I'll call the kids. You look after yourself. I got this. So then we were talking and organizing the funeral. So I rang Ross. <laughs> and said, we need flowers. And Ros goes, yeah, no worries, I got this. And Ros wasn't doing flowers at that point. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, absolutely, I'll do this. Every step of the way, God had it. We didn't know we needed it, and God had it. And it was just so powerful to sit back a long while after Mike had died, and writing some of this down, because each one of them moved us and we didn't realize until you see it on paper how mind-blowing it is from start to finish. God's got you in his hand. The whole process, every little decision various people make nudges you along the right way. So God showed me he's the almighty provider. 
he had it. Um, what's next is I want to use some of the fire God's lit through these processes, uh, helping people, organising myself, my family. Um, we've joined Springmount, we've moved back to Barrow. Um, all of God's promises so far are coming true, which is scary because I need to learn the Bible to teach the Bible, and that's still hanging out there. <laughs> um, so I want to be involved in Spring Mount as much as we can, I get stuck into a connect group, I think, first. We're doing the all to new with the Chads, and that's fantastic. We're getting a lot out of that as a, a lot of knowledge that we didn't have, um, and that's fantastic. And Jeff's a brilliant teacher, obviously. Um, Laura has just told me she feels Spring Mount is now going to be our church. It's our home, so that's really exciting. Um, <laughs> no more convincing. <laughs> um, so yeah, for now, we're just happy to get stuck into whatever we can get stuck into that feels right for us. So that's kind of what we're praying for, really, to be used where we can. Um, Laura is lovely, by the way. Okay, I don't want her to get a reputation. She is lovely. Okay, just just putting that out there. Okay, but yeah, I just want to pray for you guys. Yeah, I want to pray for Ethan, but also, I just want to point out in all three of those stories, there was trauma. It was difficult. Life is hard. Jesus said, "In this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world." Yeah. So actually. This isn't a story, or these aren't stories of people who have become Christians, they've got God in their lives, and everything is sorted. It's the fact that God is with them in the mess. And God is continually, as they look back, as Steve said, he wrote it down on paper, looked back and went, wow. Just like that footprints poem. And actually, when we're in the middle of it, it's sometimes hard to see. But it's really important to keep looking at what God has done and to give thanks and to give thanks for what he's done. Okay, I'm going to pray for you, Steve. Father God, I thank you for, for Steve and I thank you for his family, for Laura and for Aoife. And Father, I thank you for their passion for you and the way that you have really ignited their lives for you. That, yeah, we often sing, stir it up in our hearts, a passion for your name. Father God, there is a passion for your name in this family. And Father, I just pray for your protection on Steve and for Laura. But I also pray, Lord, that you will just continue to show him the steps he needs to take. Father, to, to, to smooth off the edges that he needs to smooth off and to, to increase the places where you know you want to use it. Father, I thank you for the fact that we've been able as a church to, to have input into his life. But Father, I thank you most of all that Jesus is his king. Father, I pray, Lord, that he will continue to read those verses in Philippians 4 and the power that they have in his life and in others. Father, I just pray for them that you will just show them What's next? In your name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thank you.